morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to week four of our teaching series uh, called We Don't Talk About That. Um, this entire series has been built on the, the premise that we should be able to talk about these things, that we can at least start to talk about some of the most difficult things we will ever encounter, that we can start conversations in our churches, we can start them in our homes, you can start them in your relationships, and we so desperately need to. But it's all built on the belief that we can start them out of a place of hope, not out of fear, not out of pain, but out of being able to hope for something better far beyond what we're currently experienced with some of these topics. Topics like sex, like mental health, like death, and today, abuse. We believe that as we open the lid on some of these very dark things, very difficult things, very confusing things, that it gives God a chance to shine light into our pain, into our confusion, into our difficulties. That's what we get to do this morning with our conversation. Because God himself introduced Jesus Christ to the world in a very specific and a very unique way, describing what he came to do. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he said this about his son. He said, the word, meaning Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, and that's why we get to talk about abuse this morning. But I want us to open up with a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Father God, I ask for uh, just an air and and a feeling of compassion and care and tenderheartedness when it comes to this topic of abuse, that as we speak together this morning, as, as, as we try and understand your views and, and where, to go from, where to go from where we are to where you want us to be, that uh, we would see your care in it, uh, and th- that would come through in our conversation, God. Help us not to be presumptuous that we know and understand abuse in all its forms, but help us to the same love people through it. In Jesus' name, amen. In preparing for this conversation, like the rest in this teaching series, I, I thought I'm going to try and summarize what abuse is, like kind of boil it down. And after doing as much research as I could bear to do on the topic, uh, I found it's pretty impossible to kind of give like a one-liner, one-statement, quippy expression of what abuse is, because it takes so many forms. Like if you go on Wikipedia and you type in abuse, you'll see like 70 or 80 different forms of abuse that you can then follow along from. There's so many forms, and it's as old as time. It's as old as mankind. As long as there are two people breathing, there's a good chance abuse is going to happen. Because abuse, very simply, is wrong treatment. Abuse is the use or misuse of another person. Abuse is using an individual as a means to an end, taking advantage of them. Abuse finds its fault in the abuser, not in the abused. And we may not choose to become desensitized to what that means. We may not choose to not face what abuse has happened and what abuses will happen and how we will choose to respond to them. And we may not put this conversation to one side because abuse is evil. Abuse is an evil thing. It's an evil act. And that is something that God has always called it. From the very beginning, before God calls anything, anything, he calls a bunch of people to himself and says, here's how I want you to live. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to behave. And right from the get-go, he calls out all forms of abuse and says, that's not for you. In fact, he says in Leviticus, one of the first books in the Bible, in 2517, he says, show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord your God. This is a thou shalt not moment. 
And over and over again, we find Old Testament and New riddled through his book, these commands, you must not abuse one another. That's not good. It's not right. Therefore, it must be evil. We're not to exploit one another. We're not to oppress. We're not to destroy. We're not to misuse. And we're not to take advantage of. God speaks of his distaste for physical abuse. He shares how the strong must never be physical or mental abusers. God even says we must not associate ourselves with the verbally abusive. And in every single instance, every single instance, an account of sexual abuse in the Bible, the perpetrator is annihilated every single time. God draws this line in the sand and he says to his people, it is illegal for you to abuse. I demand and I command that you don't do it and I will wage war on those who do. I believe God has really good reason for his distaste and his hate of abuse. Because I think abuse is maybe one of the greatest forms of rebellion against what God has said and who he is. Like, if you take God's book and you squeeze it and you juice it, you take everything the prophets have ever said, and you say what Jesus Christ came to say, you could summarize it all by him trying to show us what is right and what is good, but more importantly, what is true. And what he said is true is that every single person has value. Every single person has built into them God-given intrinsic value, and abuse (coughs) spits on that. Jesus Christ came to show us how to live, and he showed us a couple of things. One was to be humble, to put others in front of yourself, to not see yourself as the most important, and abuse is the opposite of humility. He came and he said, look, the greatest expression of love ever that you'll ever find is sacrifice. You sacrificing yourself for the good of others, and abuse is sacrificing others for the good of you. If we would ever want to be like God, if we would ever want to love God, then it would mean revolting against abuse, hating evil and despising darkness. If we ever chose simply just to love people, then abuse cannot be a part of our lives. It cannot be who we are and we cannot be okay with it happening. With the rest of our time this morning, although it will be short, I want us to talk about just that, what it means to hate abuse. Not to say that we hate it, but I mean really to get to grips with hating it in all its forms. Because when we think about abuse, we tend to narrow it and we box it in and we pigeonhole and we talk about the things that other people do. We don't like to talk about what's been done. We don't talk about what we will do when we see it done again or come into contact with it again. We tend not to talk about what we will do. When that evil brews up and bubbles up inside of us that could form into abuse, what will we choose to do with it? Because evil has been done, and it will be done. God is instead asking us to choose to respond proactively to abuse. He calls out evil very specifically in Romans. I think it's chapter 12, verse 21. He says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This was written by uh, the Apostle Paul to the Romans. And uh, the Apostle Paul is probably one of the most physically, mentally, and verbally abused people in all of existence. Read the Bible. It's a great account. And he speaks to what then can happen to you. Evil has this potential to overwhelm, to completely conquer. Now, you guys, you've never been conquered. We were conquered like a thousand years ago. It was terrible. 
I feel it deeply. To, to be conquered, though, let's just understand this. To be conquered is to be completely overrun. It is to be captured. It is to be bound. And it is to be led by another. It is to lose all self-governance. And that's what Paul is saying. That is what can happen with evil. Evil can do that to you. Where you're no longer in control. It can become your conqueror. It can start to redefine and tell you who you are. Now some of us, we are well aware of evil. Evil that we've done and evil that's been done to us. And we're well aware and we're reminded of it all too often. And we know how that changes us and how that affects us and how that would seek to make us behave. Some of us, on the other hand, we don't know. We don't take account and we're just quietly ruled by evil. Quietly ruled by the things that have affected us and changed us and and shifted who we are. Those of us that feel like that and act like that, we often ask ourselves, why do I do that? Why do I behave that way? Why does that happen to me? But here's one thing that I know. It's possibly the only thing that I know. For those that I've sat with, and there are many of you, and I've heard, I've heard of the horrendous things that have been done to you, and that the horrendous view you now have of yourself because of it. Nobody chooses to think badly of themselves. Nobody wants to think that they're worthless and disposable. Yet evil has conquered and redefined for them who they are. And for those of you who I've sat with, who have shared with me what they have done, evil, committed crimes, anything that they feel like they have done, and they'll say to me, I didn't want to do that. I wish I hadn't done that, yet evil seemed to conquer that day. Evil seemed to win out. That's what evil does. It seeks to win you. And that's what abuse does. It seeks to conquer you. And we're here this morning because I truly believe we don't want to be conquered by evil. We're here because we don't want to be told who we are by the bad things that have happened to us or the bad things that we do. We don't want to yell at people. We don't want to manipulate them. We don't want to use them. We don't want to take advantage of them. We want to be proud of who we are. We want to do good. We want to love and be loved. And for us to understand that in a world of consistent evil being done to us and by us, we will only ever understand who we are and be proud of that if we relearn who we are, if we understand who we were born to be. Because God said, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer it by doing good. He didn't say simply remove evil. He had it written down in Romans for us to be able to read together. Don't let it conquer you. Conquer it. It's not enough just to get rid of evil and say, I won't do that anymore. Let's be honest. Who's tried not being evil before? You can put your hand up. I would hope most of you would put your hand up. Have you ever had a time, this might be few of you, have you ever had a time where you've consciously thought to yourself, like had the internal monologue, I'm going to be good? Ever had that conversation with yourself? All right, a few less, disturbing. Um, And then you've chased it and you've pursued it. I'm going to do good, I'm going to be good, and then all of a sudden it stops and it blows up, and what you thought you were doing to be good kind of falls flat, and all of a sudden you don't know why you even started to try and be good in the first place, because it seems completely impossible. 
Now, when we talk about conquering evil by doing good, that's where our minds go, is I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be a nice person. I'm going to be a patient parent. Ah, I'm going to be loving to those I come into contact with, even my jerk friends. I am going to do that. And we do it for a while. And then something happens, and we don't do it anymore because it's not sustained. Because what we try to do is we conquer, try to conquer evil in the wrong places. Sure, there's a plenty of evil out there that needs to be faced off against, but when if we ever get to that scary place where you admit that you carry evil with you, evil that's been done to you, evil that's committed against you or by you, the evil that needs to be dealt with is no longer just out there. It's in here. The evil that needs to be dealt with to be conquered is in here, and if all we ever do is try to do good out there, we will never deal with the conquered evil that is in here. To deal with this bit of evil that's telling you who you are, that's lying to you about who you are and what you're worth and what your value is and how people should be able to use and abuse you because you're meaningless and pointless and loved. To deal with that, we have to conquer that with good. That distortion needs to be rewritten. You need to understand again, once again, maybe for the first time, who you actually are. To understand who you were born to be. Not simply the things that have happened to you, the things that have changed you. We have to be able to move on. We have to be able to shift to understand what it is that God has truly created us to be. To do that is difficult. To do that takes time. And and I, I don't want what I say next to come across like I don't have compassion for the hurting. Because I've heard too many stories about people who have been hurt. And it doesn't make what I say next any less true. The reason that we need to relearn who we really are is because deep down, nothing that has happened to you, nothing that will ever happen to you will make you who you are. Nothing that has happened or will ever happen to you will make you who you are. Because nothing that has happened, nothing that will ever happen will overturn what God believes about you. Nothing will rewrite and overwrite the value that God says you already have and will forever have. Nothing is going to douse His desire to love you forever. There is no too much. There is no thing that has happened too often or too long ago or been too painful or too difficult because God is the conqueror of evil. That's what he does. He conquers evil and we will never heal more than when we choose to understand what he has said about us, about who you are. Not about the things that have happened, not how they've affected you, not how they've changed you, but how he has already inscribed in you the foundation of who you are, the unshakable truth about why you even exist in the first place, because you're worthy of being loved by the God of all creation. Too many of us have been lied to for too long, and we've been told that the difficult things and the painful things and the hard things, those are what define you. The die has been cast and the mold has been shaped and you are broken and you are worthless. 
God chooses to give you the right to step away from all that nonsense. He wants you to have the right to step away from the crap that has been spoken to you, to step into instead what is true about you, to be able to heal from the things that have been done to you, said to you, and acted on you, to find the worth that has always been there, but it has just been hidden. This is what God has said about himself. This is what we need to hear about himself. In Psalm 34, he declared this. The Lord comes close to those, comes to his people. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for their help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. For the Lord comes to the rescue each time. God has invited us to call to him for help. To call to God for help when we are faced with what is untrue. When we are faced with evil action. This is what needs to be burned into us of an understanding. This is the step that we're invited to take. For God desires us to call to him to ask of him, to seek from him. Now, when we talk about calling to God for help, it's not as grand as you're thinking, and it's not as confusing as it need be. Calling to God to help, we've got another name for it, and it's called prayer. But let's be honest, when you use a word too much, it often loses its meaning. Prayer is the opportunity and the ability to, wherever and whenever you are, to call to God for help. In any scenario, in any situation, before, during, and after some of the most difficult times in your life. And if you're confused by prayer or you feel awkward when you do it, welcome. You're amongst friends. It's one of the most confusing and can be one of the most awkward feeling activities you will ever engage in. And we've been trying to wrap our heads around it for thousands of years. That's why God has given us some instructions, some help, some understanding. He says, if you don't know what to say and you want to talk to me, Don't worry about saying anything. God has given examples of when people are really pissed off at him, but that they can be angry. They can yell and he will still kneel and hear and respond. God says, if you feel like you need to let out an ugly cry, go ahead. If you feel like you want to talk to me instead through song, even if you suck at singing, go ahead and do it. Because his desire to hear and his desire to help and his desire to conquer abuse and his desire to overrun evil within you is far greater than some way to pray. He has so much to say to you, so much that he needs to say to you. We could spend every hour of our lives sitting here talking about it and never cover how much value he holds within you. But he wants to tell you. He wants to tell you You who feel worthless, you who have been assaulted, you who have been abused and you who have been used, he wants to tell you that you're beautiful. He wants to tell you that you're the most beautiful thing he's ever made. The crowning achievement of existence is found in you because you're the only thing he thought to share himself with to put a piece of himself into, and you have not lost one ounce of worth from the day he decided to form you. 
and for you who are hurting, and for you who are hurting others because you're hurting. He wants to tell you how much you will always feel that affliction, how much you will always struggle because evil will always seek to conquer you, but it needn't. It doesn't have to. You can instead call to him for help to conquer that evil thing in your life. For those of you who feel lost to this, don't believe this, that don't know this, it's the same step. No matter where you're at, it's simply being able to call to God for help. And today, he's been bringing up that thing. The moment we started talking, he's been bringing up that thing in you, that thing that's been done by you or to you that he wants to work on, that he wants to conquer, that he wants to get out of the way. God has put his cards on the table. The rest is with you. The rest sits with you. Will you choose? And you can choose to sit on the evil that has been done, to live with it. You can choose to keep doing it. You can choose to let it conquer you, or you can choose to have God conquer it for you, to bring life where there has been death, to bring freedom where there has been bondage, to bring light where there is darkness. That's who your God is. That's what He does. That's what He loves to do. That's what He wants to do for His favorite creation. And he wants to tell you to get that out of the way and then tell you truly who you really are. Please let me pray for you. God, I thank you that we can take some time this morning just to sit in the weight of it all. To have honest conversation, be it awkward or be it uncomfortable, be it the reason we never come back again to talk about evil that it exists, that it is done. It is how we can explain behavior. It is how we can explain how we've been hurt and misused and mistreated. And it is how we can now face it down. How we can now find freedom from it and conquer it. God, we need you to do good. We need you to do good by getting into those dark places that we hold on to, that are still telling us lies still telling us who we are. God, instead, I just desire that you would work through every single one of us and, and pick that out to just flood it with light and to tell us what is true. God, help us to trust you. Help us to call to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wrap up the worship experience this morning, um, I want to point out again our prayer team. Our prayer team is going to head to the front here and they'll be on the, the fronts of the stage and they'll be there uh, to pray with you, to, to help you or to show you how to call to God for help. These are people that would look nothing more than to pray with you and to show you how to do it. So if you want to take advantage of that, they'll be there during the last song. They'll be doing, there during the end of the experience. So please go ahead and make use of them. Thank you.